now stand for the reading of God's Word. Our passage is Luke chapter 2, beginning at verse 36. So this is page 910 in your Red Pew Bibles. If you didn't bring a Bible of your own, should be a Red Pew Bible somewhere nearby. If you want to hunt one of those up, turn to page 910. Again, Luke chapter 2, beginning at verse 36. We'd like for everybody to be able to see the passage as it's being preached. Luke 2, verse 36, page 910 in your Red Pew Bibles. There was also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Penuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple but worshipped night and day, fasting and praying. Coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. Hear now the holy word of the Lord, which is our rule for faith and life. You may be seated. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Thank you, LG. Would you pray with me once more as we come to God's word? Let's pray together. <clears throat> Lord, we come and just pause and still our hearts as we come to your holy word this morning that you told us is eternal, and your word became flesh, the person of Jesus. Lord, would you come and use your word upon our hearts this morning that we would see afresh the wonder, the significance the centrality of Jesus in all things, that our hearts would be moved to worship him. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. So, kids, a question to get us started here. Who's still waiting for presents in here? Just want to take a little inventory of the room here. Okay, quite a few in here. Yeah, and a few of you are saying, yeah, let's get this going. Let's get this show going, right? Waiting. Some of us are sitting here and we are looking forward to what will happen right after this service, right? So you are actually living the experience of waiting. We've been talking about waiting a lot in our Advent sermon series and how it is a, it's a huge theme for Advent. You know, Advent is this season of uh, anticipation. Advent, the word Advent actually means appearing. And it's a way of stepping back into that longing of, for the appearing of Jesus, the longing for God to finally come and bring his promises to fruition. And we've talked about how waiting is so much a reality of our lives. There's so many things in life that we wait for. In fact, in some ways, we spend all of our lives looking ahead to something. All kinds of different things, you know, some look forward to this, some look forward to that. Sometimes we look forward to things that are not actually going to fulfill. But almost everyone is looking forward to something. And whatever you're looking forward to always reveals what your hopes are in. It always reveals that. So we've been looking at these two figures in the book of Luke. Last week we looked at Simeon, this week we're going to look at Anna and how they spent their life waiting 
and looking ahead to something. But here's what we'll see in this passage in these next few moments. <clears throat> we will see this person who helps us to wait for something that truly lasts and satisfies. So we're jumping in. Um, again, this introduction to Anna comes right on the heels of meeting Simeon. Now this all is taking place in Luke's account after the birth of Jesus. He has, been, uh, he has been brought to the temple on the eighth day to be dedicated to the Lord. And they are going through that at the temple. And last week we meet this guy Simeon. And we're told by Luke that Simeon was someone who spent his life waiting for the consolation of Israel. Which was Luke's way of describing Simeon was waiting on the promises of God. In a time where many people had given up on the hopes... You know, those Old Testament hopes were enormous of what God would do whenever the Messiah came into the world. These hopes of God coming and rescuing his people and comforting his people and establishing his people, ending the exile, establishing his kingdom. And he'd do all this through the great son of David. Now, most of God's people at this time had given up on those hopes. It's so easy to do that, right? Whenever life is really, really hard. And it was for them at this time. In many ways, they were still in exile. They were, under, they were living under Roman oppression. They were living under the brutal reign of King Herod. And as they looked out into their lives, they saw an enormous gap between God's promises and their reality. We talked about that a number of times, right? So often in life, there is a gap between promise and reality. God has promised this in my life, and yet the reality doesn't look anything like that. And that place in the middle, that waiting, is so hard and challenging, isn't it? And the great temptation in that place of waiting, when nothing looks like those promises are going to come to fruition, the greatest temptation in the world is to say, maybe it's not going to happen. Maybe I'm not going to hope in those things because hope can hurt, right? It can hurt to have huge hopes and yet wait and not know if it's coming. And so the easiest thing in the world in that place is just to say, I'm just going to kind of take it into my own hands. <laughs> I'm going to seek to live for something that maybe I squeeze out a little life here and now, but to hope hurts. But Simeon was this man who has spent his life hoping and waiting and centering his life on the promises that God had made through the prophets, through the son of David. And then we're told that the Holy Spirit moves him into the temple at the very moment they're bringing Jesus in, and he holds Jesus in his hands, and he worships. And he says, I'm ready to go. I, I'm, I, my bucket list has been checked. I got to hold the fulfillment of your promises. But then right after that, we meet Anna. But both of them are showing us this picture of waiting. Now, waiting is a huge concept in Scripture. In fact, if you look at the people of God in the Old Testament, their faith, salvation for them was primarily waiting. It was looking ahead and believing and trusting in promises that were never fully fulfilled in their lifetime. That's what saving faith looked like for Old Testament people. It was looking ahead and living your life that God one day is going to come 
and make good on these promises. One day, the son of David is going to come and he's going to make all things right. But waiting was the reality. But waiting is so hard. Waiting um, reveals, if you think about the things that we wait on in our life, it reveals you're not in control. And you've got to wait on somebody else. You can't make it happen if you're going to choose to wait on somebody else. It's, it's, on, it's their prerogative. It's up to them. That's why we dislike it so much. And in that place of waiting, all kinds of stuff comes out in us. Our desire to control, our difficulty with believing and trusting in God to come through. You see, that's why God uses waiting so much in our lives. So many of us right now are waiting on things. Are we not? And it is in that place of waiting that God is forming us. That it, it, it challenges your faith. It works it out. It begins to reveal all these things in our heart that we didn't know was there so that God might go to work on those. God uses waiting in our life almost as much as anything else. But here we meet Anna. And she had spent her life waiting. And as we're introduced to her in verse 36, here's what Luke says. That she was a prophet and that she was, second part of verse 36, very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage, verse 37, and then was a widow until she was 84. Why does Luke share that? Because he wants us to know a little bit of her experience. She had lived most of her life as a widow. That she had married earlier in life. And she had been married for seven years and then lost her husband. You imagine what life was like for Anna? Some of us have known tremendous loss in our life. The loss of a spouse. Some in our body are actually walking through that right now. And for Anna, she, they were only married for seven years. And yet she had lived... Likely about 60 years as a widow. You want to talk about this experience of waiting? You want to talk about this experience of pain? Of walking through incredibly hard things in life? That was Anna's experience. But then Luke tells us what she did with that. It's fascinating. She was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple but worshipped Night and day, fasting and praying. This was the nature of her life. What did the pain and the loss that she experienced in her life, what did it do? For Anna, it drove her deeper into the promises of God. And listen, suffering and pain in this life has the capacity to do that. It's probably not going to leave you unchanged. When you walk through pain in life, it has the capacity to drive you deeper into the promises of God. That's what it did for Anna. You can imagine the deep brokenness of her heart that she experienced. You can imagine Anna wrestling with, God, where are you? What, what, what are you up to in my life as I walk through this pain and this loss? But what it did for Anna is it drove her into God. It drove her into living her life not for this life, but for the promises of God that she knew would be fulfilled one day. That was the shape of her life. Is that instead of saying, okay, let me go find something else to live for in this life. She said, no, no. 
Nothing in this life is going to do. The only thing that's going to heal my heart, the only thing worth living for, is the promises that God has made. And so she dove into the life of God. She devoted her life to God. I mean, day and night, did not leave the temple, fasting and praying. You know, I think many of us would look at her life and say, what a waste. Anna, what you doing here? You don't have to do that. You ought to go out and get remarried. You ought to go out and live a little bit, you know? Work on that retirement experience, you know? Go out and experience life a little bit. Travel. You need to, you need to go to Paris. You need to see things. Get yourself a bucket list, right? Anna, you don't have to do this. You can live. We would look at someone like this in our culture and in our world and say, you're wasting your life. You're throwing away your life. But why did Anna do this? Why did she throw her entire life into devotion to God? It was not to get brownie points from God. It was because she believed the only thing worth living my life for is the promises that God has made. See, those had to become real to her. Those enormous promises made through the prophets about what the son of David would do in his kingdom. And how he would come to put the world to rights. Like for Anna, in the place of pain, that had to become real. And that's the opportunity when we walk through something incredibly painful in life. You get face to face with those promises and you're like, wait, is this real? Or is this just talk? You see, you got to get to that place of realness. Because, you know, especially when life's going well, you can kind of go through the motions and say, yeah, yeah, all that's true. But really, I'm living for this life. But when life jerks the rug out from under you, when life seems to fall apart, you get face to face, you have the opportunity to. Not everybody does. Sometimes when everything's crashing down, what do you do? I got to go find something to medicate this. I got to find some way to escape this. I got to find some way to cope with this. That's certainly an alternative. But it gives you this opportunity to get face to face with God and his promises and say, wait a minute, is this real? God, are you trustworthy? Are you really going to do this? See, that's, that's what Anna did. It drove her into God. And she said, wait a minute. If what you have promised is true, I'm going to give my whole life to it. Everything. Because I know if you're going to fulfill this, it's going to be worth it. it. Everything that I give up in this life, is worth tenfold what I'm going to get in the life to come. Because she believed the promises were real. And she devoted her life to them. So we're told that Anna was there. She's in the temple like she was every day. And that moment as Jesus had come in, maybe she sees Simeon. She no doubt knew Simeon. They were friends. They were always in the temple together. And she sees Simeon holding the child and worshiping. And so what does Anna do? She joins in. Those promises that she had been devoting her life to, she's watching them be fulfilled. And we're told this, verse 38, coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. She was a prophetess. And so in this moment, she sees what's happening. So what does she do? 
She lets everybody know the significance of what's happening. You know, all these people that are worshiping there, they don't know what's going on. Jesus didn't like walk around with like a halo over him, you know, or a flashing light like Messiah, Messiah. No one knew. It's just an ordinary day, an ordinary baby. And yet Simeon is sitting there worshiping and Anna knows what's happening. And so she begins to share with everybody. Let me tell you what this is. Let me tell you what's happening right here. And we're told that she spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. I love those two phrases that are used for Simeon and Anna. Looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. Waiting on the consolation of Israel. Those are Luke's kind of code words for the fulfillment of God's promises and the son of David. That's what the prophets talked about. As they were pointing ahead to this son of David was going to come. And he was going to redeem Jerusalem. I mean, it's just it's astounding kind of descriptions. Especially as you think about when the prophets were making these prophecies. Six, seven, eight hundred years before this happens. And they're speaking to God's people when they're in exile. They're, they're in Babylon. They're under the boot of some foreign king. And the prophets are saying, the son of David's coming. And when he comes, Jerusalem will be lifted up in the earth. That, that it will be shining bright before all the nations. And you see this description in all the prophets of the nations of the earth streaming to Jerusalem. It's an amazing kind of vision, especially if you're living in exile and you've been crushed by foreign armies. And the prophets are like, no, no, no. When the son of David comes, the throne of David will be lifted up and all the nations of the earth are going to stream into Jerusalem and they're going to bring their treasures and they're going to bring all of the beautiful riches of the cultures of the earth. I mean, just, you know, just imagine that, you know, people from the east bringing their treasures, the, the scientists of the world bringing their discoveries, the architects and the builders and the, the Fortune 500 company builders, all of the people of all of human history, the nations bringing their splendor, the accomplishments of the cultures of the world coming into Jerusalem to bring all of their tribute to lay it before the throne of the son of David. That's what they meant by the redemption of Jerusalem. Huge, audacious kind of promises. But they were waiting on it. Because they believed it was going to happen. And Anna in that moment is like, he's making good on his promise. You know, I think as we look at Anna, as we look at Simeon, they invite us to enter into that life of waiting. Of looking ahead to the fulfillment of God's promises. Because as you know, as we look back on the coming of Jesus, we're like, God did it. The son of David came. He came into our world. He took our place. He lived the life we failed to live. He perfectly kept the law in our place. And then he died on the cross in our place to pay for our sin, to take our guilt upon himself. And then he was raised to new life so that through union with him, we can have new life. All of that has happened. All of that has been fulfilled. 
And yet so much is yet to be fulfilled. I mean, the, the streaming of the nations, I mean, it's in part, right? We're the nations. We're like blue-eyed Gentiles sitting here worshiping the son of David. I mean, this, this in itself would be an anomaly to someone like Anna or the believers in this day. If they were to say, hey, halfway around the world, there's going to be this country called America, and it's going to be incredibly wealthy beyond anything you can imagine. And yet, they're going to be gathered on a particular morning, like they gather each week, on the Sabbath, the Gentiles, worshiping on the Sabbath. They would be like, uh-uh, uh-uh, no way. And these nations, they're going to bring their tribute to him. They're going to bring all of their gifts and everything and lay it before the feet of the son of David. They'd be like, no way. It's in part happening here. That's why we're here. But yet so much is future. When the son of David comes back, he ain't coming as a baby. He's coming as a king commanding the armies of heaven. And he will come back and make all things new. And Jerusalem is not going to be lifted up. Jerusalem's coming down. Down to the earth. Heaven and earth made one again. And the reign of Jesus filling the earth. And the knowledge of the glory of God covering the earth like waters cover the seas. And in his name all oppression shall cease. He's going to make everything right. Everything broken in your world, in my world, in this world. Everything tragic. Every, all war, all division, everything will be put to rights through the reign of Jesus. So we're like them. We got a lot to look forward to. But the question for us is, is that what we're looking forward to? Because here's the challenge. It's the challenge for me. I know it's the challenge for you. In this life, there's so much we can spend our life looking forward to. There's so much we can wait for. There's so much we can chase after in this life. And so easily those things distract us from the only thing worth living your life for. From the only thing worth looking forward to. And that is the kingdom of the son of David. Are we looking forward to the return of Jesus? We longing for that. Because your life's got to look a little bit like Anna. You know, the more that you devote yourself to God, the more that you make God the center of your life, the more those promises become real. You know, it's real hard. I think what we often try to do is add Jesus on the top of our life. And that's just hard because <laughs> he's too big. You know, you can't squeeze him into a full life. And we're trying real hard in our culture to do that. Because we got so much in our life. And like, let me tuck a little Jesus into the corners here. He just can't do it because he's way too big. You got to put him in first. He won't fit if you got all this other stuff going on. But when we devote ourselves to him, those promises start to become real. So the challenge is not to be looking forward to just presents or the weekend or the next season in life or the things of this world or retirement or a house or marriage or all these wonderful things. They're great things in life. We just can't live for them. 
What if today was a reminder for us to live our life waiting for and looking forward to the consummation of all things and the return of the son of David? Anna and Simeon, I think, would say, it's worth living for that. Just live for that. Let me close this in prayer. Jesus, it's so challenging. It's so hard for me, just speak personally, to not find myself living for the things of this world. Just looking forward to that next thing, that next experience, that next vacation, that next present, that next whatever. And to just have no capacity in my heart to really live my life looking forward to your return and all that you're going to do. Lord, let us be a people that are devoting ourselves to you more and more like Simeon and Anna, that we would begin to live more and more for your future promises. Lord, that we might be a people like them that are pointing this world to a future kingdom. In Christ's name we pray, amen.